to Talk FX, where we promise to keep the conversation honest and real for our Fragile X community. We are a group of moms of Fragile X children, self-advocates, and full mutation carriers from Washington, Idaho, and Oregon, all on a mission to share our stories and experiences in the hopes of reaching more Fragile X families and creating more awareness of Fragile X syndrome. So with that in mind, let's jump right in to this week's episode of Talk FX. Hi everyone, this is Michelle. Um, I'm here with Priscilla and a couple moms here talking about IVF, the choice that we have um, when we know about Fragile X and our carrier status. And uh, I thought it would be really uh, informational, uh, very moving story Priscilla has, and also spreading some hope out there for people who learn that they are in a family uh, of genetics that aren't always favoring <laughs> their um, their outcomes of, of having a big family and whatnot. Um, so Priscilla, welcome. Thank you so much for, for being here today. I'm so uh, interested in what you have to tell us about your journey with IVF. Um, I, I should tell the audience about uh, one of our, our um, issues being a carrier is some of us have a um, primary ovarian insufficiency, mm-hmm. early menopause. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect all carriers. Um, there's a small percentage of carriers it does affect. And so if you're uh, under 30 and you're not able to conceive, it is possible it is because of a carrier status, the Fragile X gene. So, um, FragileX.org, if you want to look that up for anybody that wants to uh, research primary ovarian insufficiency. So anyway, let's let's get to it, uh, Priscilla. And um, anyway, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, when you found out about FragileX and that you were a carrier. Sure. So um, I am originally from Mexico um, and I was... Living in Mexico, I was, I want to say I was about like 25, maybe. Um, And my parents found out that on my dad's side, so my dad, uh, we have a large, he was from a large family, right? So he was the sixth kid out of seven. Um, So a lot of older, younger, I mean, older siblings um, who had kids and grandkids and everything, right? So just a really large family that several kids uh, were just seen as having some sort of disability, um, but nobody knew what it was. And then one of my aunts, um, figured it had to be genetic because there was just several of them. And she started investigating a little bit more and they found out that it was fragile X. So she talked to my dad, um, and she said, you know, your kids should get tested. We don't know exactly what's going on. We don't know how it works. We don't know a lot about it. We haven't investigated a lot, but you should really tell your, your kids about it and just sort of figure out more of what's going on. So, um, we chatted a little bit about it. My parents told me I had no idea what Fragile X was, of course. Um, but we looked into it more and we said, you know, I I think it would be good to get tested. 
Um, and or maybe just go with a genetic counselor. Um, so what we decided to do was, I, so I was about to get married, actually, I was engaged. Um, and I had a trip to Houston soon with my parents, just as sort of like a, a last trip before I was getting married and everything. And uh, we decided to just make a stop at the genetic counselor. <laughs> we spoke to the genetic counselor and she asked us to map out our um, our just family tree, right? And kind of what we knew about it at that nice. time, wow. um, which we didn't know a ton. You don't know a lot if you're not asking questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just sort of said what we knew. And she, for some reason, she said, you know what? I really don't think you have fragile X and it's up to, or you're not a carrier. And cause I see your parents and I see like, it just seems fine. So it's really up to you if you want to get tested or not. Wow. And, I, and, I, and I look back at that and I'm like, wow. Like, <laughs> like you can see it in a person, yeah. which no, you cannot. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought that was sort of, that's now odd. that I look back at it, I, I, I think that's somewhat irresponsible Yeah. Uh, without knowing the history, right? Because my dad is a carrier, um, but I, maybe she, she probably just didn't know enough about it. Right. 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 It's just. That's true. I mean, you don't. I don't blame her because I'm sure there are so many things that we just don't know enough about. Um, but luckily we decided to go ahead with the testing. Um, and the test came back that I'm a carrier. Now, when I found out that I was a carrier, I was on a, on a work trip. Um, and of course I got, I just got sad. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I had no idea what it meant. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I was just like, for some reason, I felt like my whole life was going to change somewhat, but then I, I didn't know how or I didn't know what to expect. I was just confused, I guess. And um, I called my fiancé, my then fiancé, now my husband, um, but I <laughs> called my fiancé, and I talked to him, and I looked, I looked up a lot of things online right before I talked to him, but um, I did know that it would have some impact in how we wanted to start our family, like form our family and mm-hmm. what that meant to me and, uh, and some of the decisions that we would have to make. Sure. So for me, it was, I sort of felt there were three options going forward, at least in my mind at that point, without knowing a lot, I guess. Um, but one of them was IVF with genetic testing with PGD. Um, the second one was getting pregnant and then doing an amniocentesis, um, and then making that decision during the pregnancy. And then the third, um, was potentially adopting. Right. Um, and so I talked to my, to my fiance at that point and I, and I, and I sort of told him, I, I, I feel a lot of responsibility now that I know that I'm a carrier for fragile X. I feel that I, I just can't move forward and in, in getting pregnant without thinking beyond mm-hmm. of myself and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I felt that I had to take some sort of action. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was just, uh, I, I had to speak to him about it because for me, he wasn't going to change my mind. Like that was a path that I needed to make a decision on. And for some reason I sort of, I, I wanted him to make the decision as well. Uh, like, is it, we may have a, we may have a weird path to getting to our family if we can have a family at all. And I just need you to know and be okay with that. Right. How did he, how did he respond to that? He was just sort of like, 
you're crazy. Of course I want to get married. We'll figure it out. <laughs> right. And that's just his personality. And I just felt like this burden, but he was like, you're that's crazy. Awesome. Like, I just want to get married. We'll figure it out. Right. We'll, we'll figure out what our family looks like and what we want it to be. And you know, how we'll move forward with it. That's a good guy right it there. Was, yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah. He's, a, he's great. So, um, and again, I, I had no idea of like, this was just like baseline me knowing that I was a carrier for Fragile X, mm-hmm. not even knowing like, all like not even knowing anyone in in depth that had fragile X because yes I had a few nephews and nieces but I I didn't live with them a lot right. I didn't see them a lot so I didn't, right. really didn't know a lot of the implications or, or things you know um, and there weren't that many people that I could speak to or talk to especially mm-hmm. in Mexico sure um, I didn't even know fragile X association existed right the National Fragile X Association so um, this was probably about ten years ago ten eleven years ago so. Um, yeah, that, that sort of fueled our um, decision. Like once we got married, again, we started talking about the options. We knew about FaxPoi, um, the primary ovarian insufficiency that you mentioned at the beginning. Um, so we sort of knew if we, if we do want to move ahead and, and have a family and try, um, we want to do it quickly. Mm-hmm. We wanted to, 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 I didn't know if I was going to have it or not. There's no way I don't think to know. Um, until you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just said after, after a year of, of being married, um, we said we wanted to start trying and figure out, starting to talk to the, to the doctors, to the OBGYN and fertility and figuring out what steps we needed to take. Cause I, I knew it was, um, IVF with PGD, which is, um, prenatal genetic, wait, I need to, I need to go back and check. I don't remember what it is exactly, but it's, um, it's basically genetic testing that they do on the, on the embryos. Oh, okay. Um, oh. and once you, and I'll explain what, what the process in a yeah, minute. Yeah, I was going to. Yeah, I'll explain you. the process in a minute, but really we just started investigating what it was and if they would even do it in Mexico, because that was actually one of our biggest limitations as well. It's not done in Mexico. Mm. And so if I wanted to go through the fertility treatment, they would actually have to send the embryos to, I think it was New Jersey at that time to be able to send back and let us know if the embryos had fragile X or not. Um, So um, we were looking into the options. We did decide that we wanted to do an an, an IVF um, with PGD. Um, And the way that works is, so you you go through a typical IVF cycle, which means um, a woman is, so you, you take the meds to ovulate, you, you take out the, um, the, the eggs and then you they fertilize them they create embryos they let them grow for three days I think it is they change it every now and then the Mm -hmm. process because they optimize it which is really great so the first time that I did it the best way to do it was with fresh eggs Um, the second time I did it was with frozen eggs do they check the eggs before they they do so what they do is on day three they take out a I think it's one cell literally Mm. they send that to the fertility lab um, or to the genetic lab, I'm sorry, wow. to the genetic lab. And then the genetic lab will, so for example, my first round, I had 12 embryos. Um, so they took out a cell of each of those 12. They sent it to the lab. The lab then calls back the next day and they're like seven of them have a fragile X or, or, or are affected. They say are affected. So literally that's where you see the 50, 50, which this was a little right. slightly over 50, 50. Wow. Um, and so then, and then, so the fertility on, on our side back here in, um, in Seattle. So, so long story short, I was living in Seattle by this time. Okay. Uh, 
fast forward, fast forward. Um, I, but I did this whole cycle in Seattle. Um, and, um, we heard back that five of the embryos were, were okay. But then by day five, they want to implant them. So you don't know how many have survived or not. So literally mm. they, you sort of wait until they're, they're growing, they're growing, they're growing, they're duplicating right in size. Mm-hmm. And then by day five, you figure out how many are left, so to say. And that's a typical IVF cycle, okay. right? And understanding how many are left by the end of, by, by their time they're ready to, to put them back in. And, um, there were only two left. So out of those five, only two actually survived. Wow. Um, so out of the 12 eggs that we had, seven had something. They typically say that they're fragile X um, or something different. Um, and then two survived. So we decided to implant two of them, two of the embryos. One of them stuck um, and then divided. And I ended up with two beautiful, identical boys <laughs> who just turned seven. And what are the chances of um, twins uh, through IVF? Do they give you a percentage yeah. or they tell you, hey, by the way, uh, you might get more? <laughs> yeah, well, typically, so twins and triplets and all of that, of course, have been growing in percentage just because of IVF. Uh, because once you're through it financially, it's really expensive and you don't know if it's going to work. So a lot of times you're just like, sure, let's do two, right? Because we don't know if they're going to stick. And sometimes right. it really depends on the quality of the eggs. Right. And, um, so we went ahead and did two because the quality wasn't that great to some extent. Luckily only one of them stuck. Right. And then that's the one that divided, um, and they're identical, but in general, identical twins are, it's more rare to have identical twins than to have fraternal mm-hmm. um, because fraternal typically is because you have more than one, one egg. Oh, right. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So these, um, so my boys are identical. Um, but yeah, I think financially we were talking about this earlier, but I think one of the biggest barriers for us and a lot of the thinking that went into this is, and I'm sure a lot of, so many women go through this, but mm-hmm. it's how much does it cost? Right. right? Is it, can I handle it financially? Is it I worth heard it, it was very expensive. It is. It is very expensive. And I think there are two pieces, right? It's not only the IVF piece, but it's the genetic piece as well. So the IVF piece is, is the most expensive. That's the biggest burden, I would say. And I think, I'm sure prices have changed a lot. Um, but and I, also the things that have changed a lot is how much insurance covers on certain mm-hmm. things and how many cycles they cover on certain things. And But the biggest problem with doing it with PGD and and in my case was it's sort of like an elective IVF. I choose to do IVF. Mm-hmm. It's not because I need IVF. You didn't know if you were going to have early menopause or not, but you were just taking charge and making sure you had a family if you were to experience the early menopause. Right. Correct? And I and you wanted were still to young. screen. Right. Mm-hmm. I wanted to screen for IVF. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I wanted to screen for Fragile X. Right. Right. So... Right most women that go through IVF are have typically gone through a number of fertility treatments before they get to IVF. IVF is sort of like a last resort. Gotcha. Right. First you take like a pill that helps you ovulate more and more regularly. And then you do the IUIs. Mm-hmm. And then at some point you get to the IVF. Right. But that's like further down the road. You've probably tried to have a, a baby for a number of months, maybe even years. years right. Um, but in my case, I went directly to IVF. Mm-hmm. And so I started to look at all the financial implications and things like that. And did you have to show them that you were a fragile X carrier for them to go straight to IVF? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So when I talked to, so I went to a fertility 
doctor in, in Seattle and immediately um, she did ask, why do you want to do IVF, right? And I was like, no, no, not only IVF, I want to do IVF with PGD, right? Because mm-hmm. I came in knowing what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so she asked the right questions. She was like, why? Mm-hmm. How do you know? Do you have the tests, right? And why Fragile X? Because they can screen for several things, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we talked about doing a council test, which actually screens for other many other things knowing that I would we would already be screening um and again that's a personal choice sure um and I mean we were just very lucky that I worked in a company that covered a lot of the IVF expenses not all but most right and right? you just covered the rest mm-hmm. and we covered the rest and it wasn't unlimited right so if you would if if the first round wouldn't have worked we probably would have had to pay ourselves for the second round and for other things and um, and I think those are a lot of the limitations and, and it, it's just so hard to think through that you're already going through this tough decision on, am I okay with IVF, right? Am I okay with doing genetic testing on embryos, just psychologically, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. ethically, just morally, just so many things that you have to already go through. And then on top of that, you're just thinking financially, am I, am I able to do this? Is it worth it? Is it going to work? Um, and you have to think about your own mentality too. Like, what if it didn't work? Yeah. What if? Yeah. Yeah. And and an IVF cycle is not easy, right? There's just so many hormones that you're you're, you're like you're trying to work with your your own body and your cycle and things like that, but it's not easy on the body. And it's right. just and you're nervous, right? Mm-hmm. You know that you've paid this much money. You know your your body. You're like on the line. And you're you not supposed deliver. to be stressed out yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're stressed exactly. out. You can't help exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so much so that, so I went, um, uh, so I have, uh, I actually have two sets of twins. So I have seven-year-old identical boys and three-year-old identical girls. And for the girls, so you, there's four years between my kids um, because we actually took two years, this, this, that second time around, it took mm. us two years to actually get pregnant and several cycles, um, not full cycles, but in terms of, so I would take medication and I wouldn't ovulate enough or the embryos wouldn't multiply so or divide. So it was just, there were just a lot of hardships going through it. And to your point, I was supposed to not be stressed and, but at the same time, you're like, why isn't this working the same as it worked the first time? Cause the first time it was so easy and so fast and it was just one time. And, um, is it possible you could have been going, starting the early menopause? You know, I not thought that about we, that. We can't know. I mean, it's a yeah. small percentage of carriers that actually have this issue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you, and you never know, you can't do a test to figure out unless yeah. you do a, you know, you're not getting pregnant for yeah. a long time and then you can do blood work. But yeah. So we, we looked at, I talked to my doctor about Faxpoy and we talked about how many, eggs I had and my reserves and things like that. And she said it all looked good. So, and I even talked to, there was a Faxpoy. I found a Faxpoy research that was going on. I don't remember in what state, but there was something going on. And Mm. I actually called them to see if I could get into the study. Nice. And they just ran through a list of questions and they're like, you know what? I I don't think you have Faxpoy, right? I don't think you're there because you like, I hadn't missed a cycle or I Mm. hadn't done this or I had, they're just like certain indicators Mm -hmm. and I wasn't there. Um, so to some extent, I was actually hoping that I could check that off and say, sure. this is why, you know, yeah. this is why know. I'm not I able to get pregnant. You always want to know why. Yeah. You want to know why. Yeah. Um, and 
and it, they were just like, no. So I was like, okay, then let's keep going with IVF and figure this out. Um, I bet that was such an emotional roller coaster oh, for you. Yeah. It I was, can't even imagine. You know, I mean, we all go through different, different things. Um, but it was hard. It was hard to not understand what was going on. And I'm always trying to take control of what I can control. And that was just something that I couldn't control. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to deal with. And I was trying different tactics and I went to acupuncture and I actually think the acupuncture was, was actually what got me over the line and helped me to get pregnant mm-hmm. in the end. But there were just so many factors and variables and things going on. Um, but in the end it, it, it happened and I have again, awesome. identical twins, which, beautiful is, family. You do. Um, which is very unexpected. Um, and you know, it, it, it worked and I'm grateful for everything that I went through and that I know and, and that I can at least share my story to help others. I mean, I love to hear other people's experiences and sure. understand what people are going through. And so I just hope that by sharing mine, at least mm-hmm. people can think a little bit more about what they would go through or what they're willing to go through, what they need to go through. Yeah. No, I really appreciate you sharing that. You know, I have a question for you. It's kind of um, off topic a little bit because it has to do with culture. And I know that there are, you had mentioned that you were living in Mexico and that's when you first learned about Fragile X, that it ran in your um, family. Um, I want to ask if there are, if you had any, if you were kind of in your own mind pushed to knowing that you were for sure going to have a typical child through IVF, if, if you were drawn to IVF because of maybe you were worried about the pushback you might get in Mexico, oh, stigma or something. the stigma, um, do you think that that had any bearing on your choice for IVF not everybody's going to have yeah. that culture background yeah when they're you know making the decision but I was just wondering because yeah there's always opinions and it's a great question um and I thinking about it I I actually have to say no because I actually think there's a lot of pushback and stigma on IVF itself yeah I would agree with you um so I, to some extent, I actually think there might be more stigma around IVF um, and around sort of manipulating the outcome mm-hmm. of a pregnancy or of a, of a child or something similar, right? And I think that's just a decision that that I, I spoke to my husband about and we, we sort of knew that, that we would sort of take on, right? When, mm-hmm. when people ask me about, hey, what's the process? What are you going through? Mm-hmm. And I would be very upfront and I would say it's IVF and it's genetic testing, right? And mm-hmm. even what's interesting is even though we went through IVF and genetic testing, always in the back of your mind, you know there are other things beyond Fragile X, yeah. right? Like nobody would could tell you that they wouldn't be born with down syndrome or with autism or with mm-hmm. something else. Right. right? So Absolutely. it's not like you're free of, it's not like I'm manipulating it to be like the exact child that I would, you know, Correct. have in my utopian mind. Correct. Like, it's just, <laughs> so there was, I just felt this responsibility that knowing that there was a 50, 50 chance that I, if there was something in my power 
to do that I just I just felt that I had to do. Yeah. And right? you knew about your cousins. I and, did. I did. Yep. Yeah. And, and the stresses and... Yeah. yeah. So I think we were met, I think, with just a lot of questions around, well, and how many embryos did yeah. you get and how many did have them? And I think there are mm-hmm. still a lot of these questions and they're valid. I think everything's valid because everyone has different beliefs and everyone comes sort of from different backgrounds and cultures. And, um, but it's just in Mexico, at least it's typically not something that you talk about a lot, even just normal IVF, right. Even without Mm -hmm. genetic testing, it's not something a lot of people feel comfortable talking about. Um, and so I, I, I just like to share my story to some extent, share with people that, you know, everyone goes through something different and it's a very personal decision. Absolutely. Um, and you're you're raising some hope for those that have maybe been teetering on the idea of should I, shouldn't I, um, and maybe there's some financial supports out there, yeah. grant money, who yeah. knows, Yeah, raising money for something like this to have the family that you've always wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, we're in a, in a, in a day where medicine and science came together and they make it possible for us to make choices yeah. like this. Right. We never used to be able to make choices like this. Yeah. And um, it is a very personal choice and you've obviously given it a ton of thought, loving thought, responsible thought in, in, in your husband, yeah. thank God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was on board. Supportive. That's awesome. Yeah, very yeah. supportive. Well, you know, we talked to a little bit about um, where you and I have been in the same place and those those roller coaster thoughts of, oh boy, what do I do? Yeah. And I re- I was an older mom, so I was forty when I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any kids prior marriage, like yeah. first marriage, first child at forty years old. And I remember uh, the doc said I was high risk just because of my age, right? So he didn't say I should get an amniocentesis, but he he recommended it because many do, yeah, right. And we we were a young relationship, and the thought of having a special needs child just wasn't in my radar. And I'm old. Like 40, I'm thinking, I'm too old for this. No way. No way. And I'm being very vulnerable right now. And I'm being very forthcoming with my real thoughts. But I'm I'm saying that the actual thought of an answer after an amnio, what would be my answer? Mm-hmm. Right? Because yeah. I I would I'm not one that would choose to abort. I yeah. wouldn't. But at 40, like, you just don't know. You don't know. You don't know. So I remember that thought, that ethical, the moral, like, oh my gosh, this is not what I would have done. And just to have that thought, like, what if, right? And I remember that. It's a very, very vulnerable place. And um, I remember going through with the amnio. Is there a reason why you chose doing the amnio if you knew that it, it might not change your decision? I think, kind of like you, I don't know about you. I'm a control freak. Yeah, I, I want to know. know. I just mm-hmm. want to know. It keeps my anxiety down. Yeah. I want to prepare. And that, it just keeps me in the know. <laughs> if you know me, you know I need to know. Um, and, and it came back all good. 
everything was normal. And we were, of course, elated, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And had a beautiful baby boy, mm-hmm. nine pounds, 11 ounces, <laughs> something like that. Big. Wow. <laughs> and uh, oh my goodness. So everything was bright. Everything looked good. Um, you know, I won't get into Fragile X. You know, that's a whole different yeah. topic. I think I already talked about that. <laughs> but um, I got pregnant twice after, and I lost both. Oh, I didn't know. And I, my cycle was normal all the way up to 40 years old. Right after I had my son, it was never normal again. So I think back, and I think my son is our miracle baby mm-hmm. because I may never have had been able to have a child right. if I was going into menopause and yeah. I was looking back. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I'm early menopause for what menopause normally yeah. typically mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I don't, I don't fall under the category of primary right. ovarian insufficiency because right. I was 40. Right. Um, and so there are, it's beautiful that we can have choices. Mm-hmm. Our choices aren't always going to be um, accepted by others. Right. They're going to be celebrated by others. I mean, people get it. And people don't understand unless they've been there. Right. And I will tell you that Fragile X isn't always the most... Um, amazing situation to be in but I will tell you that I'm a better person today I'm different I'm more patient and I I have to attribute that to my son he has made me a better person so I'll leave it at this you're I love that we we've come together in a mutual place of of a choice of birth, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And we've gone, we've had different outcomes, yet it works for us. To us, yeah, I agree. Right? Yeah, it's kind of a deep place to it be, is, but in that in that conversation, I think it's really important for people to know that the choices are out there. Mm-hmm. We have those choices, and that's what's beautiful. And I think you you just need to, you sort of need to think through what are the choices and what decision will I make that I will be okay with later, right? Just myself. Right. Like how will I be mentally just calm, you know? Like how, Mm -hmm. because for me at some point, again, we were talking about if, if, if everything just got to be too much at some point, we were going to look at the option of adopting, right? Mm-hmm. And figuring out how, how to build our, our own family and just thinking about other options. Because to some extent, for me, for me, I didn't want to put myself in the place to have to make that choice around amniocentesis, right? right. If I was going to get pregnant the normal, natural way... I probably wouldn't have done an amniocentesis myself, right? Right. And just gone ahead and and had the baby and and just sort of see later. But because I just didn't want to, 
I didn't want to have to make that decision, right? Mm-hmm. I just, I didn't know what I would feel in that mm-hmm. moment. Right. And maybe I was just scared and I just tried to avoid that to some extent. But I, I, I think it's very personal in terms of what decisions and what choices do you have and how are you going to be okay with yourself in the future, right? Just thinking back and say, I had these choices. This is the information that I had. And I still think that I made the right choice for me and our family. Right. I think that's fine. Right. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. There, I think we should have more conversations about this topic. I think it's important. And I think there's so many um, more women, more mothers out there that made this choice like you did. Mm-hmm. Um, some haven't been successful. Mm-hmm. Some have um, been surrogate moms first to make sure that they're ready yeah. you know, to do this. And I think all these women, all these mothers are beautiful people you know in 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 their choice to to do this I I think you have the most amazing and beautiful family supportive (laughs) husband supportive mom and dad yeah I think I think you had the best of of everything in this decision that you made and I'm so happy for you thank you you know we we talked about this earlier we've just been We've been really lucky. We've been very privileged, very lucky, and having information and knowledge and having resources, right, and people that we can talk to. And mm-hmm. and just even if it's someone who doesn't know everything that you're going through but is just willing to listen and that you can talk it out. Absolutely. And, you That's know, so just, important. Yeah. So if, unless you've already said this, and I, I can't remember, um, what would you tell somebody that's on the fence with this for IVF specifically big decision of IVF? Oh man! Any any last thoughts, words of wisdom, or insights that you would want them to know? Um, um I, so I would I would try to talk to as many people who have gone through IVF just in general, not necessarily through genetic testing or anything. I think just know what yourself you're getting yourself into mm-hmm. to some extent. IVF in itself is very draining. Mm-hmm. Very, very the, the process is very tedious, very long. There are so many implications beyond the financial. Like you have to really think through all of the financial implications, but just everything you're going through every single day, like the injections that you're going through, your mental state, how many eggs, all the ultrasounds, how many survived, how many there's just it's a roller coaster, mm-hmm. just an emotional roller coaster and you really have to be ready for it it's something that I just I was not ready for and whenever I hear that someone is going to start IVF I really try to tell them just talk to a lot of people who have been through it recently Mm -hmm. because I've forgotten a lot of those stages right I just really have even though I wrote a ton of that down but um I should go back and read but it's Mm -hmm. um it's just very draining and it's a very emotional time for everyone and I think as long as you're mentally prepared for everything that's coming. Um, the more prepared you are, the more informed you are, I think the better. And a lot of times when you go to fertility clinics and doctors, I mean, for better or for worse, they go through it a lot. They, it's sort of a day-to-day for them, mm-hmm. right? So you're just another patient to them. I mean, they're amazing. My, my doctor is amazing. 
But when they sort of give you your cycle and, and all of the details, it's just sort of transactional for them, even though they're very caring. But for them, it's just another cycle start. Right. Um, but it's just so draining on the patient's side because it's, it's overwhelming. There's mm-hmm. so many meds. There's so many mm-hmm. processes. There's so much that you're going through. And you're, you just don't know. Right. <laughs> so, so much I think emotion. The more, yeah, I think the more you can talk to someone who has been through IVF just recently in general... Um, I think the better off you'll be. And I think just being mentally prepared for everything. Perfect. Priscilla, thank you so, so much for sharing everything and your journey with IVF. I think, I think you're going to touch a lot of people with this (laughs) podcast and to our audience. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. FX. Thank you for tuning in to talk FX. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Talk Fragile X to keep up to date on the latest episodes. You can listen to Talk Fragile X on the major podcast listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.